Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of the Define University podcast and another Share Your Story series. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest as she is someone that I have gotten to know very well over the last, I would say, six, nine, 12 months. I don't even know it all runs together, but I'm so excited for you to hear her story today. And her name is Rachel Howard. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. So I mentioned, you know, we've known each other a few months now, thanks to, I think I say this every episode now, thanks to social media. Um, So before we dive in, though, to kind of how we've connected and how we know each other, can you give a little bit of background, a little bit of who you are, where you're from, all that good stuff uh, for the Define You listeners? Sure. Um, Again, I'm Rachel, and I'm originally from New Hampshire, um, but I am a New Hampshire to Florida transplant. Um, We've been in Florida for about 12 years and hope to be moving back to New England soon. We miss our New England weather and um, fall mostly. Um, I have been teaching in special education for a little over 10 years now and I have taught in lots of different um, formats. I have taught in charter school, in a charter school um, format, in a regular neighborhood public school format. Um, I've worked at a nonprofit for girls and um, ran their education programs. And now I'm actually back at the charter school I originally started at um, in my teaching career. And I'm working with the second, third grade students, um, and all of my students have some form of a learning disability. And I have found that those are my students. Those are the kids that I enjoy working with the most. Um, And I just love being able to build the community that we have within the four walls of my classroom. Absolutely. I think one of the things that that we've connected on is we both have had... um, educational journeys, I will say. I mean, every teacher is on a journey, every leader is on a journey, but you and I definitely connect as we've we've branched out of what we, you know, started at, right? I started in the public school thinking, this is where I'm going to be forever. This is, I'm going to retire from the public schools. And very quickly, it was like, "Eh, I don't know about that. And so, you know, I too jumped, I went, did a residential, I worked for -for not-for-profit in home ABA, and now back to public school, different school, but back in public school and, um, again, I think once you once you find that, you know, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing. But it's also that it's okay to try something new. Definitely it's okay to do something different. And is there anything if there's somebody listening that's like, but how did you know when to to kind of jump, or how did you know it was the time? Like, I'm a big believer that you, you trust the moment and you trust what you're feeling. But is there anything that you would share with anyone wondering, like, is this the right time for me to try something different within our field? Um, I think the biggest thing for me was 
now I have the language for it working with you, but I was trusting myself in those moments. And I wanted to know, I was asking myself, does this experience um, support me in what I want to do next? So basically, does this serve the values that I'm trying to um, put into place for my life, for my career? And for me, leaving the different jobs that I've had, it felt like at that time it served me for the purpose that it served me and the time frame I was there. And I was looking for more experiences so that I could, little did I know, go back to where I started and help and support the other teachers and people that I work with um, to share the knowledge of like the outside world, basically. Um, so I think you never know if it's right. You never know. You're never going to get like that sign. I don't, I don't think, um, at least not like right in front of your face. Sometimes they're just really small signs. And for me, I learned so much in my experiences once I left my original placement. And I realized that's why I needed to leave. I needed to grow um, as a teacher, as a human. (laughs) Um, I needed to see what I could, like how far I could stretch myself. Mm -hmm. And I also learned that the grass is not always greener on the other side. um, And that sometimes leaving leads you back to where you started because what you needed was to grow in that situation and not necessarily um, find something new, but you needed to find yourself kind of in those situations. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. I love that you, you know, brought up, you know, so many, so many key points, right? It's not about, I, I think the thing that to think about is it's not about running away from anything. Right. So if you have, if you have a stressful day or stressful week or a month or a year, but you haven't gotten to why was that your stressful for you as an educator and you, and you choose to go to a different position. My guess is you're going to find stress in a, in a, in the same or a different way because we can't, we don't want to leave something to run away from something, right? We don't want to escape as (laughs) as some of our, and you can't, you can't escape it anyways. It's going to like, You've said before, it's going to follow you. You're going to be looking behind you. Is it coming after me? That type of thing. So especially if you're not looking and um, reflecting on those experiences, definitely. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, if you're, if you're leaving, I always say don't quit something after your uh, most difficult day, right? Quit actually after your best day. Quit once you know, I've done what I came here to do. I have served myself and I've served them. I'm now ready to grow. I'm trusting in this decision, which is everything you you hit on. So absolutely, I think that's so important. Um, so as we think about as we think about teaching, as you think about your career, what would you say is your mission as an educator? Um, it has definitely evolved. Um, my like teaching philosophy has definitely evolved, but there's been some key points I've noticed from I was actually before we started recording, I was looking back um, at the very beginning, like during my undergrad years when I was writing my teaching philosophy out for the first time and comparing it to now I'm going through a grad school program and I had to rewrite it and wow, has it changed? But there's been some key components like making sure that I'm building, constantly building a safe and cooperative community for my students. Like I said, in the four walls of my classroom, I have also learned that I cannot control everything that's happening in the school, especially this year, everything that's happening in the world (laughs) um, and how things are going to look tomorrow. But I can build a strong, safe cooperative group of students and um, I have um, adults in my classroom as well and 
knowing that they are coming to a safe place every day, I really believe helps them learn in that environment. Um, And then also helping my students learn to advocate for themselves. And I've learned that I'm pretty good at helping the adults in my classroom learn to advocate for themselves too. A lot of the times um, the paras that are in my classroom are brand new right out of undergrad or grad school. And so they haven't had a ton of experience with like live humans. Um, And a lot of their experiences have been reading and research and everything, which is great. And I can use that too since I'm long out of undergrad um, and they are learning themselves who they are and how to advocate for themselves and what their values are. So this year, that's kind of a reflection I've made um, based on who I work with as adults too in my classroom, which is really exciting. And I know, you know, I know because we work together in the Creative Connections mentorship and I know you've shared with us some of the things you've done along the way this year to really create that that unified group dynamic in your classroom. Um, And I think back to, can't remember if it was summer or beginning of the year and you held a a meeting, a training Mm -hmm. to get to know one another. Can you share a little bit about that? Because I remember when I heard that, I was like, yes, that is what we need to do more of to learn about one another, to create that you know, classroom community, yes, it's going to involve our students, but if you're a teacher working with multiple staff, you know, what, what, what Rachel did, I really want you to listen here because I think it's, again, from my perspective and hearing you and seeing you each month, it's made a huge difference this year in your classroom. Yes. And so I normally hold some kind of training. Um, it's been pretty informal up until this year with whoever I know at the time will be a para in my classroom. I've also learned flexibility along the way because we switch out people if need be once the school year started and paras kind of turn over quickly. We, we have a lot of people who come in for the experience and then and go on to grad school. That's typically like the type of person we have. So this year I decided actually through the Creative Connections program um, that I needed to stretch myself a little bit more and not just like hand them a folder and go through everything that's in the folder and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. I wanted to involve them more in the creation process of the community within our classroom. Um, Obviously I shared experiences that we've had before and the type of students that we work with. um, But then I asked them about themselves and we talked about what their strengths were and what their weaknesses were, what they were comfortable starting out doing. Some people love to read out loud. I love to read out loud. I love the voices. I love the drama, the acting behind it. But there are many people that that is not their cup of tea and it makes them very anxious. And so I always use that as an example. Do you like to do something like this? And if you say no, well, now that's fine because I'll do it. And there's plenty of other jobs within our classroom that need to be done. Um, And so most people are a little bit more organized than I am, which is really helpful for me. And so they'll help keep the schedule going. They find that I don't mind if you're like, hey guys, it's actually time for lunch. Look at the time. Because I won't remember, although this year I do have students who do that for me too. (laughs) Going through a more formal like webinar style um, process, it also allowed me to practice teaching online, which I was not used to yet. And it allowed the paras to see from the student perspective what it was going to be like because we're doing 
doing like a hybrid model. Um, and I got to know them because I'd never met them before in my whole entire life. So we did some icebreakers. Um, we did some activities that I have found really helpful on reflecting. And I also did like a mini IEP training with them. And that allowed me to share like acronyms and information, data collection, how we collect data at our school, what types of assessments we do at our school, which are really important. And I never thought to share that information before and realized I share it throughout the year, but that's not always helpful. And it's much more helpful if I share it at the very start of the year before we even meet our new kiddos. I love that. And I love that it was, it was pretty simple, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't just starting over. It wasn't starting from scratch. It wasn't, you know, leaving behind everything you had done, but it was instead, right, instead of starting over, I think we build on from experience. So it was taking what have you done in the past, what worked from it, what didn't, and then shifted it to redesign it to Mm -hmm. really get to know the, the, them at a human level, right? Who are you in, in this classroom? This is who I am. This is who you are. And, you know, my guess, we're now in February, and from what I've heard, you have a pretty tight group of We do. Of yeah. 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 And I feel like we've been through so much this year with COVID and um, going from switching from hybrid to fully remote at home to back in the classroom, just like, you know, every teacher's dealing with this year. There's been so many changes and so many downs that we have learned to help each other find the ups. Mm-hmm. And um, I really feel like we do have that human connection. We're not just colleagues. We're not just people who work together. Um, we share, we, we remind each other what's important. Like feelings are for feeling. Stop apologizing. You know, those little things that are important. And you've said it before, they're my accountability partners. They're making sure that we are following through on our values that we came up together. Um, and if those values need to change or evolve, we're there together. We're, they're always willing to put in that extra effort. Um, but it benefits all of us because then we are together as a community rather than just people who work in a classroom together. Absolutely. And So you've mentioned advocating, right? How important that is. You've mentioned the IEP process. So I want to dive into the collective IEP because I have seen you grow this from literally the ground up, which I think has been, it wasn't a reason I created Creative Connections. It was, you know, that that mentorship was really created to allow educators to connect with one another across the country to, to find out about practices and learn from one another. But it doesn't surprise me that businesses are being formed out of it because that's what Define You was for me, right? It was me taking my passion about mindset and behavior and all the things and building a business. And so it has been amazing to see you do that. And so it kind of relates IEPs and advocacy together. And so I would love for you to share with the listeners all about uh, your new adventure. So something good did come out of COVID, which at the beginning, you know, I never thought could have happened. But um, I first, in August, I found myself talking to a lot of friends of friends who refer like, oh, I know this teacher, she works in special education. Why don't you ask her what you think the best placement for your child will be? And so I was talking to a lot of these people um, Um, trying to give the best advice I could in the situation we were in um, and just 
you know, generalized advice that making sure people knew that um, IEPs still are, need to be upholded, upheld um, during COVID, during remote learning, hybrid learning, whatever we're doing, and making sure students were getting the services that they deserve. And I realized I was giving out a lot of advice and that I could probably turn this into a business. Now, I never thought I would be a business person ever. Um, any kind of like business book or podcast or discussion just kind of like totally turned me off. That was just not my thing. Um, but I absolutely love it. And like you said, it brought two of my, my two passions together, advocacy and special education. So the collective IEP was born and kind of started in August with the support of Lindsay too. Um, and so, you know, some late night chatting and everything just through the creative process. And my husband, who has been really supportive through this process as well. <clears throat> but it allows me to advocate for families. And like I say, sit on the same side of the table in an IEP meeting with them so that they feel supported through the convoluted process of special education, which could be IEPs, 504s, um, special considerations, accommodations, anything that a child might need to be able to lift themselves up to the same platform that their peers are on. Um, a lot of parents just don't know where to start or are in the in the process, their child has a plan, has an IEP or 504, but they just don't know if these accommodations are right for their child. And they were just given kind of just the accommodations everyone gets type of thing, even though it's supposed to be an individualized plan. An IEP is an individualized education plan. Um, and so I work mostly digitally right now over Zoom and Google Chats, email, thing like things like that. And I'm working to expand in different ways, maybe with webinars um, on information on the differences between IEPs, 504s, everything like that. But it has really brought a joy to me back into education, reminding me why I do what I do. And um, I also realized I love working with families. I've always liked talking to parents, which some teachers would think that's weird. Um, but for me, I've always loved problem solving with them. And the collective IEP allows me to, to problem solve. So good. And I love, I love that you said, you know, I took two of my passions and turned them into one thing. And, you know, again, I've been able to be a part of the process, which has been amazing. And, you know, I think what's really, what's really just cool and very, um, you know, innovative with this is you didn't know how it was going to happen. You didn't right. know what it was going to look like, but you right. have that passion and that drive and that why to say, I'm just going to start and I'm going to start where I'm at and I'm going to build. And each week there's more and more, right? Each yeah. week you build. It's, again, it's not starting over. It's building from experience. Right. What worked, what didn't, and now where do I go? And it was, I think the really important part in, and I did this with Define You too, is not letting numbers dictate mm -hmm. what your success is, right? Like celebrating every single step along the way. And so I'm just curious because you started out again, not knowing what this was going to look like. You're just this, you had this feeling, you had this, I'm just going to do it. Right. And were there any like barriers at the beginning that you were like, Oh, maybe I should wait or mm, I don't know if this is the time. And if not, what was it that you were telling yourself to, to just start to get through that roadblock or to just get things going? So it actually started with the fact that I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back to the classroom during COVID. Um, I wasn't feeling safe. I was feeling very anxious. 
And I wasn't sure, sure if what, what the classroom was going to look like this year was going to align with my values. And so I started thinking, trying to think outside the box. And so that's kind of where this business kind came up. But then I realized... I don't think I'm ready to leave quite yet, that I still felt like there was more work to be done. And I started the school year and I'm still in the classroom now in February. And I do agree. I still agree with myself that there was work to be done. And that was building my paras up, I think, too. And um, I lucked out. I had, well, not lucked out, but we have built a beautiful community with the students too. So I do feel safe. I feel like we're all trying to do our best in a very unpredictable situation. But I also had to keep telling myself that I could do something hard, that starting a business was hard. But because it was not my full time job, Yep, that's the plan eventually. There was nothing to really lose. So I wasn't, you know, putting my family on the line. I wasn't putting our house on the line. I was, you know, money was still the same as it was because I still had my regular job. But one barrier I was worried about was do I have time for this? And um, working through creative connections, I've realized yes, if this is my passion, I make time for it and I take other things out. And I have, I was on a couple different boards that at the time were exciting and they've kind of, you know, it, it served its purpose. Um, so I've kind of, you know, I'm slowly getting off of the boards because that's at night and taking time that I would use for the collective um, IEP. So I just had to do an assessment of my time and figure out what was important to me and how to fit this into my daily schedule. Um, And it's actually fit in pretty seamlessly because like you've said, I am already doing all of these things. And so I just have to make time for calls and I do that after school. So Mm -hmm. it works out pretty easily, much easier than I had originally expected. Yeah, I love that because I think it, it really does get to be that simple. I mean, right, we know at Define University, it's all about simple and easy. Mm-hmm. And I think what makes things complicated is when we make things complicated. Right. But in addition to that, we make things complicated when they don't align to our values. Right. When we are trying to force ourselves to do something. It, of course, it's going to take more time because we spend more time trying to convince ourselves to do something than to rather say, this doesn't serve me anymore. I don't want to do it, right? I'm not going to do it. And so it's being aware of what it is you're doing and how it aligns to you. You know, you like me, we're, again, we're very similar. We're both moms. We're -hmm. both in school right now. We both have businesses and we both work full time. Like there would be people being like, you guys are nuts. (laughs) I get that comment often. Like, how do you have time for all of this? I'm like, well, you need to listen to Lindsay. (laughs) No, also add time frame. (laughs) And I'll add, we do things for us too. Right. Right. I went out to lunch with a friend yesterday. I know you did the other day, right? I see you on social media. I know you have your moments or you're enjoying your coffee and you're soaking it in. You're watching a movie. Like we do. I think people think, well, you just do work all day long. I'm like, I actually don't. Right. I used to to do that until I realized like one, it just, it never got like the workload never went down. It just stayed the same no matter how hard I worked. And two, I realized that wasn't serving me. That wasn't serving the values that I had for me. And I was just stressed and overworked Mm -hmm. and didn't enjoy anything. Mm -hmm. And I think another, this is another positive of COVID. It made me slow down Mm -hmm. um, because we were stuck in our house forever. And we realized that what was important is my family 
and my passions and my passions happen to be helping other people. So that actually, you know, serves everybody. And my kids are learning how to serve other people too through this. So, and like I said, eventually this will be my full-time job. We'll just kind of wait and see when that is. So exactly. You know, I think it's, it can be as simple as things like, you know, the dishes or doing the laundry, right? I love that you said there's like the point of a to-do list is not to be done, right? There is no, like, it's not, it's not the bottom of it. <laughs> that's not the goal, but I lived that way for years. I live like, you know, my, my productivity, how far I get down on list is my worthiness, right? I might value myself. And now I don't even, some days I don't even get to the to-do list. And yet I live a great life. Like I live an amazing life outside of my to-do list because a to-do list is, is, I don't know, it's things you could do, right? It's things right. that are there, but I look at now like dishes, I'm always going to have dishes because we right. eat food every day. Like, and I'm so grateful that I have a fridge and pantry full of food and I have dishes to eat on. The same thing with laundry, right? And I always will have laundry because I'm always wearing clothes. Right. <laughs> right. That's a positive. I think we're all in agreement there. So it's the same kind of thing, right? There's certain things that I think we look at through a mindset of, oh, why do I have to do that all the time? I do. The one thing I do it with, I will be honest, is my, my dog and the hair that yeah. is covering my house. For those of you that don't know, I have a golden retriever and whole man. It's, he's in like shedding season right now. So I will say, why is there hair on the ground again? We have a golden retriever. Like it's going to yeah. happen. And right? we have toddlers. So we have, you know, cereal <laughs> on the ground and all of those things. Yes. Toys, there's always toys out. Well, yes, because the kids are playing. So. Exactly. Exactly. so again, we can choose to look at it one way or we can choose to look at it the other way. That's our choice. And I think hopefully what you're hearing here, listeners, is that we have that choice. And when we can make that mindset shift and we can see it through a different lens, it does free up time. It frees up energy because we're no longer living in shouldville. We're no longer living in that guilt, that doubt, that, that judgment. And instead we're living in a land of pure, like present day living where this is my life and how amazing is this life I get to live. And so one other thing I wanted to just mention to anybody listening, that's like, I kind of want to try something new. I kind of want to step out of my comfort zone and do that new thing is to remember that you don't have to know the how or the what you've got to know the why, right? But make sure it anchors to your value. So if you don't know what you value, do that first anchor into what it is you value. What it is, are you, what are you envisioning for your future? What are you looking to gain? And then what are some ways you can do that? And this could be inside the classroom. Maybe you're wanting to try the grid method that's out there from teach better team. Maybe you want to do more inquiry based lessons. Maybe you want to try some standards based grading, right? Those are all things you could try new start small. Start small and build from there. Maybe it is something where you want to start offering webinars or you want to launch a podcast or you want to start a business. It, the list is endless. There's not one way to showcase your passion. You can do that in a multitude of ways. Just make sure your passion aligns to your values because then you're going to feel, you're going to have the time because you're going to, like Rachel said, you're going to create the time. You're going to find the time so it works for you. It's not going to be another thing on your to-do list. It's going to be an everyday activity that you're so excited and joyful about doing because it becomes a part of who you are. Exactly. Yep. That's how I feel too. I, I look forward to, I mean, everyone looks forward to the end of the day at some point, you know, in the week. But for me, that means that it's kind of turn off school and turn on the collective IEP for me. And I get excited about that. Like that last hour of the day is a struggle for me. 
I'm tired. I'm fatigued from teaching online and kids in class. And I mean, that's real life right now. Those are the feelings I'm feeling at the end of the day. But because my passion is the collective IEP, I kind of get this jolt of energy afterwards once I get home and um, I'm able to kind of pick up from where I left off the 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 afternoon before, um, whether it's researching new information for a client or talking with a one-on-one client. Um, and I even get to talk with some of the kids in the families. So it just, the building of the community, I think is what drives me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. All right. So we've talked, we've talked about a lot of things and I'm curious, what is it, you know, I love, I love talking about joy. I love talking about celebrations. What is it that brings you joy as an educator? So on those days where the exhaustion hits and the frustration is doing and technology's not working and all the things are happening, what can you anchor to to find joy in? So even on those toughest days that are filled with tough moments, how do we still find joy in those, in those, um, how do we find joyful moments in addition to the tough ones? So sometimes I feel like you have to um, create joyful moments and that means putting down whatever your lesson was for the day, for that time frame. For me, this normally comes at the very end of the day. Like I was saying, that's when I'm fatigued. I'm getting cranky. I'm normally hungry. Like there's lots. And I know my kids are feeling the same way, if not more fatigued, more exhausted because they're children um, and they're on the computer all day long. And we all know that, you know, the Academy of Pediatrics says that that's not good with screen time, but it is what it is right now. And we have to just find what we can and do what we can. Um, and so at the end of the day, I save my favorite types of lessons, which are more social studies, social justice type lessons. And I do a lot of read alouds at the end of the day. Some people would say, oh my gosh, that's too much energy for me, but that's what I need. I need to sometimes create this energy in the classroom. And my students have told me their social studies lessons are their favorite lessons. And so if I can add that into the end of the day and keep us moving and learning, that's where we have our biggest discussions, um, our best discussions. We have our aha moments. The kids are connecting to the real world. Um, we do a lot of learning about history and we try to make sure we take a just social justice lens with it. And we're not just using what I learned in my history classes, which we now know is not the full truth. Um, we use lots of picture books and read alouds to connect to history and what's going on in the world around us as well. Um, and that brings me joy. When my kids are, you know, speaking their truth and being their advocates, it is amazing. I have this one girl in my class who every time she talks, I'm like, oh my gosh, you sound like the adults who I'm listening to on my social justice podcast and everything like that. I'm like, you are going and I even said this, I said, you are going to be an amazing advocate. And I said, wait a second, you are already an amazing advocate for yourself and for the students who are around you. And all of the kids are like, yeah, we love when she talks, she teaches us so much. And so she, you know, kind of takes over the class sometimes. And that is amazing to me to not have to be the teacher anymore. I'm now the student in my own classroom. And that doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen every year. There are just, you know, certain kids who that is just 
their personality and who they are. And this girl did not speak at the beginning. She did not talk. She did not raise her hand. She told me once she hated school and now she loves coming to school. So it's just, you know, they seem small, like small moments, but to me, that is a huge thing. And it keeps me, that's what sparks joy in my classroom for me. I think that is so powerful. I think I love what you said. Like I get to be a student in my classroom as well as a teacher. And I love, I mean, that to me, it like gives goosebumps because that to me is what teaching is intended to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is not intended to be teacher. This is my own opinion. Teacher stand up front and just teach. Right. You just give, right. I believe it's giving and receiving. Well, if it's giving and receiving, it's learning then becomes circular and cyclical, right? I learn from you, you learn from me. And when you can design a classroom that embodies that, like truly, it's not just a goal. It's not just a, it'll be nice. It's not just a, well, someday we'll get there, but no, we're embodying it today and we're going to start small, right? And we're going to build from there. I think that's so powerful, but I love what you said about joy and that it's knowing what brings you joy. Right. And being able to really have have this definition of joy that's not so concrete, that's not so it has to be this, but that it's know what brings you joy and then be proactive about it. Right. You know, that last hour of the day is so challenging. So why do the most challenging work? Right. That hour, right? <laughs> Instead, what brings you joy? Is it you? Where do you shine? And yes, you'll have people. Well, it's not about us. Well, it's not, but it's not about me, but it starts with me. Right. It trickles down. Definitely. So if I'm like, blah, (laughs) at the end of the day, the kids are too, but they can, it's contagious. You know, they can see that I'm passionate about something and then they're like, huh, why? What makes this lesson so special? Why? You know, and then that intrigues them a little bit more and, and brings them out of their (laughs) little haze that we're all in at the end of the day. Yes. And I think it aligns beautifully to you know, we want to be real with our emotions. Like, don't get me wrong, right? We want kids to, you know, if, if I'm tired, I'm going to own that I'm tired. Right. But tired is not an excuse for bad teaching. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to, I'm going to put it out there, right? If we know we're exhausted, that's why I love what you're sharing. So if you know you're tired by the end of the day, then what can I do as a teacher to not be as tired, mm-hmm. right? What do I do with passion no matter what? Well, you said it. Read alouds, social justice conversations, discussion-based lessons. So you're proactively setting up your classroom so that even if you're tired, your kids still show that or still see that you show up, right? And you open up that conversation. And I think, again, I think that's just so important. You're not just teaching the lesson, you're teaching the life lesson that goes with it. And so kids see okay, I'm tired. If a kid comes to me, it's like, I'm, you know, we use zones of regulation. So if they're like, I'm in the blue zone, I'm tired. I'm like, that's great. <laughs> that's a great starting point. But now what do you need? What's the need that right. you have? Do you need to take a nap? Do you need to go lay down? That's fine. We're going right. to honor that, right? I don't recommend as teachers, we do that. But <laughs> kids might need that, right? Or it might be, do you need to go run some sprints in the gym? Do you need to go play basketball and wake up for a few minutes? You need to go get some really cold water. Like, what do you need? The feeling isn't enough. It's the starting point. Right. But it's what are we going to do about that unmet need? And, and so this is a little bit of a segue from joy, but I just think it's so important to know what brings you back, right? What gets you excited? So on those days, um, I even keep, you know, I have a joy folder on my computer where I put, you know, the positive emails I get. I have a joy folder in person so that if I really need it, I have that. When I was in the classroom, I had a joy corner of the wall that when I looked at it, it was all my favorite quotes, all my favorite things, because again, it's not about me, but it starts with me. So if my energy is low, guess what? (laughs) 
energy calibrates to the room. So everybody's either going to come to my energy or I'm going to go to theirs. And depending on how we're doing, that's going to, it's either going to go great or it's going to, we're all going to sync together. Right, right. <laughs> so know what brings you joy and then go from there. And I think you and I have talked about this, like honor the days too. If it's a tough day, like call it that, honor it and talk about it. But I also believe we don't have full tough days. I don't believe from start to finish, everything is tough. So they're tough moments, right? Today was filled with tough moments. And tomorrow, here's what can we do different, right? And I love that's what you do in your classroom. You're constantly having conversations with your kids to say, was this effective? How are we going to change it? And you do it with your parents too, because of that classroom community that you've um, created. So as we, as we wrap up, what would you say, I know we've already shared a ton of advice, but what would you say is like your last piece or your best piece of advice that you would give to educators listening? Um, when I was filling out the form, I said simplify, which has had kind of been like, like my thought, my word for this school year based on COVID and everything going on. But after talking a little bit more, I'm realizing that building community is definitely the advice I would give to a new teacher or someone stepping back into the classroom after a long time. And knowing that starting the day sharing um, is so important in my classroom. We start, uh, I, I was trained through the Sanford Harmony program, um, and we don't use the whole program, but I really like the morning meeting um, or the morning meetup part of it. And even on Zoom, people are like, how are you doing this with Zoom? I'm like, well, we're doing it the same way. We're just on Zoom instead of sitting in a circle, which I would prefer. Um, but normally my kids would come into the classroom, put all their stuff down. And my classroom, the main space was where we would sit in a circle. And yes, I have older, older, it's not preschool or kindergarten, but my classroom is set up more like a kindergarten classroom because circle time is so important to me. And we call it morning meetup, but essentially it's circle time. And that is so that everybody is on the same level. We all sit on the floor. Um, if there's a student in my class that isn't able to sit on the floor, then we all sit in chairs in a circle, whatever we need to, so that we're all on eye level with each other. And teachers are the same as students. Um, we all share in the morning. Normally we do like a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle, how are you feeling at the start of it? Um, then we answer a morning question. No one has to answer the question. If they want to, they can, or they can just say pass. Mostly after the first month, everybody is sharing because they're friends now and they want to share and we've built a safe classroom. And then um, we normally have two or three people share an actual story, whether it's something that happened that morning, yesterday, or something they're looking forward to. It can be good, bad, ugly, whatever they want. And then two or three people can ask questions. Now, all of my students have some kind of learning disability. Most are language-based. So questioning is really important. And so that already builds into our standards right there is that they're learning how to ask appropriate questions and also questions that make sense. Um, which is a struggle at the beginning, but you see the, the, the data increase with them positive, positively. And then at the end, we do thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle, because a lot of the times if the thumbs were down, they're now up and we're ready to learn. It takes about 15 minutes for that process. And on Wednesdays, we've decided, we've declared it this year that Wednesdays is teacher sharing day. So all of the teachers share something and normally it's like pictures of our cats or our kids or, you know, and that builds community right there because then they realize that we are humans. If we're having a bad day, they seem to be much more open to allowing us to have that bad moment or, 
if we, you know, lose our temper or something, they, the kids seem to understand like, oh, you know, I have, I've had a student say, I've had that kind of day before. And I'm like, oh, you know, like that just touches my heart that they're able to uh, connect with us on a social emotional level and a human level too. So that I think doing something of a morning meetup in the very beginning, it doesn't have to be extreme with cards and letters and, you know, you're holding something up. It doesn't have to have any kind of props. It can if you want, um, but keep it simple and keep it short and sweet. And it that is right there builds community. Yeah. And I love that example because I think it, I think it does show the, the, the nature of simplifying, right? Like, like, and I love that you added, like, you don't need anything crazy. You don't need to design the world's best PowerPoint. You don't need to have the perfect fonts on the cards and the per no, right? All of those. And those are fine. If you, if you those, like to do that, great. And if that's something that, that keeps you passionate, awesome. But yeah. for me, that has never been my passion and it just stresses me out. And I realized I'm making what I enjoy, which is the circle time stressful by just adding all of these extra things. So I took it out last year and I realized, okay, this is where I need to be. This is more my speed. Yes, absolutely. Because there, there are some teachers out there that graphic design or creating materials, that is their passion. And if it's yours, do it. Like, do it. Hopefully, if you've got nothing else out of the last, you know, 40 minutes, it's that do your passion, right? Know your passion. But if that is not yours, there's always a simpler way. There is always. If something feels like you are, you know, you are forcing it, it is complex, stop and ask yourself, what's the simpler way to get this completed? Right. What's the goal? What's the vision? What do I want to have happen at the end? And hopefully, as Rachel has shared, it doesn't have to be, it's not an all day, like this is 15 minutes no materials, and it's simply listening and connecting with those in the classroom, which is then going to only increase the learning opportunities because you are creating that safe environment to learn from one another, that everybody's accountable. Everybody has ownership in this class because we do this as a team. We do this as a classroom. And so if you, I think that goes all the way back to if we want to start something new, start small, simple, and strategic, right? Don't overcomplicate it. You can always go back and add on. Right. I started Define You. I had no idea what it was going to turn into. I had no logo. I didn't have a name. I just knew it was something I wanted. I was something I was passionate about. And 18 months later, here we are. And I have so many more goals from the future, but I'm so excited for the momentum that's happening today. And that's the beauty of it. Learning to love where you are now, but also being excited about the growth. That to me is like, that's alignment, right? That's the perfect connection. And when you can have that inside and outside of the classroom, you're now creating a life that's about you and what you desire most. Perfect. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for sharing all the goodness today. Is there any last bit of information or any last words you would like to share with the listeners? Um, I think the, the last thing is just build that community. Don't be afraid to try something new, small in your classroom and, you know, do it tomorrow. Like don't sit and think about it too much. Just try it out. If it doesn't work, then scrap it and move on to the next thing. Um, what I've learned is my students are very forgiving and I'm, I'm trying to be more honest with them up front saying, hey, this is something I haven't done before and we're going to try it. Let me know what you think. Um, I kind of got that idea from Angela Watson's um, podcast uh, and just keeping it simple and 
being honest with your students really helps to build that strong, safe community where everybody wants to learn and nobody feels like they can't make a mistake. Absolutely. Oh, all right, we're gonna end on that because that is yes, absolutely. Um, so Rachel, if people are not yet connected with you and want to do that, where is the best place for them to find you? Um, right now it's Facebook and Instagram and they're both at the Collective IEP. Um, and you can come check us out. We have an exclusive family group for the Collective IEP, Family Collective as well if that's something of interest. And I also would love any referrals or information um, on different states with what they're doing with IEPs, especially virtually, because that's what I'm getting a lot of questions on. So if you wanna help me out that way, that'd be great. If not, just come along for the ride. Absolutely. I know I, for one, I'm excited to see where this journey continues and continues to evolve and grow over time. Um, and I've been so honored to be a part of this startup process. It's been amazing. Um, so yes, please go check out the Collective IEP. I will have all of that linked in the show notes below. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for being on today. And uh, listeners, stay tuned for another brand new episode. Come in same time, same place next week. Until then, continue uh, loving who you are, trusting who you are, owning who you are. Those will help you define who you are. And as you are doing that, have an amazing week and I'll talk to you soon.